Good afternoon. This is Reading Percy Jackson with a Teenager. I'm Noemi, your host, and this is the first episode of Many. I hope everybody's been having a good week. I know I have, and today's Wednesday, so hey, it's almost Friday, you know, the day before the weekend, the day where I think many people get their paychecks. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think so. But today I will read the first chapter of Percy Jackson in The Olympians, The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called, I Accidentally Vaporized My Pre-Algebra Teacher. Oh, look, I didn't want to be half-blood. If you're reading this because you think that you might be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth and try to lead a normal life. Being a half-blood is dangerous. Scary. Most of the time, it gets you killed in painful ways. If you're a normal kid reading this because you think it's fiction, great. Read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, if you feel something stirring inside, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us. And once you know that, it's only a matter of time before they sense it too. And they'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. My name is Percy Jackson. I'm 12 years old. Until a few months ago, I was a boarding school. I was a boarding student at Yancey Academy, a private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Am I a troubled kid? Yeah, you could say that. I could start at any point in my short, miserable life to prove it, but things really started going bad last May when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan. Twenty-eight mental case kids and two teachers on the Yale school bus heading to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. I know it sounds like torture. Most fancy field trips were. But Mr. Bruner, our Latin teacher, was leading these trips, so I had hopes. Mr. Bruner was this middle-aged guy in a motorized wheelchair. He had thinning hair and a scruffy beard and a frayed tweed jacket, which always smelled like coffee. You wouldn't think he'd be cool, but he told stories and jokes and let us play games in his class. He also had this awesome collection of Roman armor and weapons, so he was the only teacher whose class I didn't fall asleep in. I hope this trip would be okay. At least I hope that for once I wouldn't get in trouble. Boy, was I wrong. See, bad things happen to me on field trips. Like at fifth grade, like at my fifth grade school when we went to the Saratoga battlefield, Saratoga Battlefield, I had this accident with the Revolutionary War Cannon. I wasn't aiming for the school bus, but of course I got exploded anyway. And before that, at fourth grade school, we took a behind-the-scenes tour of the Marine World Shark Pool. I sort of hit the wrong lever on the catwalk, and our class took an unplanned swim. The time before that, well, you, you get the idea. This trip, I was determined to be good. All the way into the city, I put up with Nancy, the freckly red-haired clematomic girl hitting my best friend Grover in the back of the head with chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Grover was an easy target. He was scrawny. He cried when he got frustrated. He must have been held back several grades because he was the only sixth grader with acne and the start of a wispy beard in his chin. On top of all of that, he was crippled. He had a note excusing him from P.E. for the rest of his life because he had some kind of muscular disease in his leg. He walked funny like every step hurt him. Don't let that fool you. You should have seen him run when it was enchilada day in the cafeteria. Anyway, Nancy was throwing wads of sandwich that stuck in his curly brown hair, and she knew I couldn't do anything back to her because I was already on probation. The headmaster had threatened me with death by in-school suspension if anything bad, embarrassing, or even mildly entertaining happened on the strip. I'm going to kill her, I mumbled. Grover tried to calm me down. It's okay. I like peanut butter. He dodged another piece of Nancy's lunch. That's it. I started to get up, but Grover pulled me back to my seat. You're already on probation, he reminded me. You'll know who get blamed if anything happens. Looking back on it, I wish I'd deck Nancy. Right then and there, in school suspension would have been nothing compared to the mess I was about to get myself into.
Mr. Bruner led the museum tour. He rode up in front in his wheelchair, guiding us through the big oaky galleries past marble statues and glass cases full of ready, really old black and orange pottery. It blew my mind that this stuff had survived for 2,000, 3,000 years. He gathered us around a 13-foot tall stone column with a big sphinx on top and started telling us how it was a grave marker, a stilette, for a girl about our age. He told us about the carving on its sides. I was trying to listen to what he had to say because it was kind of interesting, but everybody around me was talking. And every time I told him to shut up, the other teacher chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, would give me the evil eye. Mrs. Dodds was this little math teacher from Georgia who always wore a black leather jacket, even though she was 50 years old. She looked mean enough to write a hardly right into your locker. She had come to Nancy halfway through the year when her last math teacher had a nervous breakdown. From her first day, Mrs. Dodds loved Nancy and figured I was devil's spawn. She would point her crooked finger at me and say, Now, honey, real sweet, and I knew I was going to get after-school detention for a month. One time, after she made me erase answers out of old math workbooks until midnight, I told Grover I didn't think Miss Dodds was human. He looked at me real serious and said, You're absolutely right. Mr. Bruner kept talking about Greek funeral art. Finally, Nancy Bob, Nancy sniggered something about the naked guy on the stilet, and I turned around and said, Will you shut up? came out louder than I meant it to. The whole group laughed. Mr. Bruner stopped his story. Mr. Jackson, he said, did you have a comment? My face was totally red. I said, no, sir. Mr. Bruner pointed to one of the pictures on the stilet. Perhaps you'll tell us what this picture represents. I looked at the carving and felt a flush of relief because I actually recognized it. That's Kronos eating his kids, right? Yes, Mr. Bruner said, obviously not satisfied. Satisfied. And he did this because, well, I racked my brain to remember. Cronus was the king god and god, Mr. Bruner asked. Titan, I corrected myself, and he didn't trust his kids who were the gods, so Cronus uh, ate them, right? But his wife hid baby Zeus and gave Cronus a rock to eat instead. And later, when Zeus grew up, he tricked his dad, Cronus, into barfing up his brothers and sisters. Ew, so one of the girls behind me. And so there was this big fight between the gods and the titans, I continued, and the gods won. Some sniggers from the group. Behind me, Nancy mumbled to a friend, like we're going to use this in real life, like it's going to say on a job application. Please explain why Cronus ate his kids. And why Mr. Jackson, Bruner said, to paraphrase Miss Bobo Fitz, Bob Fitz's excellent question, does this matter in real life? Busted, Grover muttered. Shut up, Nancy hissed, her face even brighter red than her hair. At least Nancy got packed, too. Mr. Bruner was the only one who ever caught her saying anything wrong. He had radar ears. I thought about his question, and I shrugged. I don't know, sir. I see, Mr. Bruner looked disappointed. Well, have credit. Mr. Jackson, Zeus did indeed feed Kronos a mixture of mustard and wine, which made him disgorge his other five children, who, of course, being immortal gods, had been living and growing up completely undigested in the titan's stomach. The gods defeated their father, sliced him into pieces with his own Sith, and scattered his remains in Tartarus, the darkest part of the underworld. On that happy note, it's time for lunch. Mrs. Dawes, would you like to lead us back outside? The class drifted off, the girls holding their stomachs, the guys pushing each other around and acting like doofuses. Grover and I were about, were about to follow when Mr. Bruner said, Mr. Jackson. I knew that was coming. I told Grover to keep going, then I turned around toward Mr. Bruner. Sir. Mr. Bruner had this look that wouldn't let you go. Tense brown eyes that could have been a thousand years old and had seen everything. You must learn to answer my question, Mr. Bruner said. About the Titans? 
about real life and how your studies apply to it. Oh, what you learned from me, he said, is vitally important. I expect you to treat it as such. I will accept only the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days when he dressed up in a suit of Roman armor and shouted, What ho! and challenged us. Sword point against chalk to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person who had ever lived, and their mother, and what god they worshipped. But Mr. Bruner expected me to be as good as everybody else, despite the fact that I have dyslexia and attention deficient disorder, and I have never made above a C- minus in my life. No. He didn't expect me to be as good. He expected me to be better. And I just couldn't learn all those names and facts, much less spell them correctly. I mumbled something about trying harder while Mr. Bruner took one long, sad look at the stelet like he'd seen this girl. He's been at this girl's funeral. He told me to go outside and eat my lunch. The class gathered on the front steps of the museum where we could watch the foot traffic along Fifth Avenue. Overhead, a huge storm was brewing with clouds blacker than I ever seen over the city. I figured maybe it was global warming or something because the weather all across New York State had been weird since Christmas. We had massive snowstorms, flooding, wildfires from lightning strikes. I wouldn't have been surprised if this was a hurricane blowing in. Nobody else seemed to notice. Some of the guys were pelting pigeons with Lunchables crackers. Nancy was trying to pickpocket somebody from a lady's purse. Pickpocket something from a lady's purse and of course Mrs. Dodds wasn't saying a thing. Grover and I sat on the edge of the fountain away from the others. We thought that maybe if we did that, everybody wouldn't know we were from that school. The school for loser freaks who couldn't make it elsewhere. Detention? Grover asked. Nah, I said. Not from Bruner. I just wish he'd lay off me sometimes. I mean, I'm not a genius. Grover didn't say anything for a while. Then, when I thought he was going to give me some deep philosophical comment to make me feel better, he said, Can I have your apple? I didn't have much of an appetite, so I let him take it. I watched the stream of cabs going down Fifth Avenue and thought about my mom's apartment, only a little way up, well, only a little ways uptown from where we sat. I hadn't seen her since Christmas. I wanted so bad to jump in a taxi and head home. She'd hug me and be glad to see me, but she'd be disappointed too. She'd send me right back to Yancey, remind me that I had to try harder, even if this was my sixth school in six years, and I was probably going to be kicked out again. I wouldn't be able to stand that sad look she'd give me. Mr. Bruner parked his wheelchair at the base of the handicap ramp. He ate celery while he read a paperbook novel. A red umbrella stuck up from the back of his chair, making it look like a motorized cafe table. I was about to unwrap my sandwich when Nancy Bob Fit appeared in front of me with her ugly friends. I guess she got tired of stealing from tourists and dumped her half-eaten lunch in Grover's lap. Oops, she grinned at me with crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange as if somebody had sprayed paint her face with liquid Cheetos. Oops, she grinned at me with her crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange as if somebody had sprayed paint her face with liquid Cheetos. Try to stay cool. The school counselor had told me a million times, count to ten, get control of your temper. But I was so mad my mind went blank. A wave roared in my ears. I don't remember touching her, but the next thing I knew, Nancy was sitting on her butt in the fountain screaming, Percy pushed me! Mrs. Dawes materialized next to us. Some of the kids were whispering, Did you see the water? Like it grabbed her. I don't know what they were talking about. All I knew was that I was in trouble again. Since Mrs. Dodds was sure poor little Nancy was okay, promising to get her a new short at the museum, gift shop, etc., etc., Mrs. Dodds turned on me. There was a triumphant fire in her eyes as if I'd done something she'd been waiting for all semester. Now, honey, I know I grumbled. I'm erasing workbooks. That wasn't the right thing to say. 
Come with me, Mrs. Dodd said. Wait, Grover yelled. It was me. I pushed him. I stared at him stunned. I couldn't believe he was trying to cover for me. Mrs. Dodd scared Grover to death. She glared at him so hard his whiskery chin trembled. I don't think so, Mr. Underwood, she said. But you will stay here. Grover looked at me desperately. It's okay, man, I told him. Thanks for trying. Honey, Mrs. Dodd barked at me. Now. Nancy smirked. I gave her my deluxe. I'll kill you later, stare. Then I turned to face Mrs. Dodds, but she wasn't there. She was standing at the museum entrance, way at the top of the steps, gesturing impatiently at me to come on. How'd she get there so fast? I have moments like this a lot when my brain falls asleep or something, and the next thing I know, I've missed something as if a puzzle piece fell out of the universe and fell, and left me staring at the blank space behind it. The school counselor told me this was part of the ADHD. My brain misinterpreting things. I wasn't so sure. I went after Mrs. Dodds. Halfway up the stairs, I glanced back at Grover. He was looking pale, cutting his eyes between me and Mr. Bruner like he wanted Mr. Bruner to notice what was going on, but Mr. Bruner was absorbed in his novel. I looked back up. Mrs. Dodds had disappeared again. She was now inside the building at the end of the entrance hall. Okay, I thought. She was going to make me buy a new shirt for Nancy at the gift shop. But apparently that wasn't the plan. I followed her deeper into the museum. When I finally caught up to her, we were back in the Greek and Roman section, except for us. The gallery was empty. Mrs. Dodd stood with her arms crossed in front of a big marble frieze of the great gods. She was making this weird noise in her throat like growling. Even without the noise, I would have been nervous. It's weird being alone with the teacher, especially Mrs. Dodds. Something about the way she looked at you, the frieze, as if she wanted to pulverize it. You've been giving us problems, honey, she said. I did the same thing, I said. Yes, ma'am. She tugged on the cuffs of her leather jacket. Did you really think you would get away with it? The look in her eyes was beyond mad. It was evil. She's a teacher, I thought nervously. It's not like she's going to hurt me. I said, I'll, tr I'll, tr I'll try harder, ma'am. Thunder shook the building. We are not fools, Percy Jackson. Mrs. Dodd said, it was only a matter of time before we found you out. Confess, and you will suffer less pain. I don't know what she was talking about. All I could think of was that the teachers must have found the illegal stash of candy I'd been selling out of my dorm room. Or maybe they realized I got my essay on Tom Sawyer from the internet without ever reading the book. And now, they're going to take away my crate. Or worse, they're going to make me read the book. Well, she demanded. Ma'am, I don't... Your time is up, she hissed. Then the weirdest thing happened. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into a large, leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouthful of yellow fangs, but she was about a slice meat of ribbons. The, then things got even stranger. Mr. Bruner, who had been out in front of the museum a minute before, wheeled his chair into the doorway of the gallery, holding a pen in his hand. <laughs> what? Ho, Percy, he shouted, and tossed the pen through the air. Mrs. Dodds lunged at me. With a yelp, I dodged and felt talons slash the air next to my ear. I snatched the ballpoint the ball pen out of the air, but when it hit my hand, it wasn't the pen anymore. It was the sword. Mr. Bruner's bronze sword, which he always used on tournament day. Mrs. Dodds spun toward me with a murderous look in her eyes. My knees were jelly. My hands were shaking so bad I almost dropped the sword. She snarled. Die, honey. And she flew straight at me. Absolute terror ran through my body. I did the only thing that came naturally. I swung the sword. The metal blade hit her shoulder and passed clean through her body as if she were made of water. Hiss. Mrs. Dodds was the sandcastle and power fan. She exploded into yellow powder, vaporized on the spot, leaving nothing but the smell of sulfur and a dying screech and the chill of evil in the air, as if those two glowing eyes were still watching me. I was alone. There was a ballpoint pen in my hand. Mr. Bruno wasn't there. Nobody was there but me. My hands were still trembling. My lunch must have been contaminated with magic mushrooms or something. Had I imagined the whole thing? I went back outside. It started to rain, 
Grover was sitting by the fountain, a museum map tented over his head. Nancy was still standing there, soaked from her swim in the fountain, grumbling it to her ugly friends. When she saw me, she said, I hope Mrs. Kerr whipped your butt. I said, hope? Our teacher? Duh. I blinked. We had no teacher named Mrs. Kerr. I asked Nancy what she was talking about. She just rolled her eyes and turned away. I asked Grover where Mrs. Dodds was. He said, who? But he paused first and wouldn't look at me, so I thought he was messing with me. Not funny, man, I told him. This is serious. Thunder boomed overhead. I saw Mr. Bruner sitting under his red umbrella reading his book as if he never moved. I went over to him. He looked up a little distracted. Ah, that would be my pen. Please bring your own writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed Mr. Bruner his pen. I hadn't even realized I was still holding it. Sir, I said, where's Mrs. Dodds? He stared at me blankly. Who? The other chaperone, Mrs. Dodds, the pre-algebra teacher? He frowned and stepped forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Mrs. Dodds on this trip. As far as I know, there has never been a Mrs. Dodds at Yancey Academy. Are you feeling all right? That was the end of chapter one for Percy Jackson, The Olympians, The Lightning Thief. So, in conclusion, well, at the end of this, Percy probably thinks he's going mentally insane or he thinks he's going crazy because, well, you know, he's asking everybody, well, what happened to Mrs. Dodds? And everyone's like, there's no Mrs. Dodds. So he's like, confused. Or confused. He's confused. I'm, I would be too. I would think I, if I was in that situation, I would think I was going crazy. Like I just vaporized my algebra teacher and she is no longer there. Like what happened? Like, huh? what? Excuse me. Anyways. So, um, Mrs. Dodds turned into this kind of monster, which is called Fury, which you'll learn more about, um, later in the book. But that was in conclusion for today. This was also my first episode for my podcast, so I am pretty excited. Well, I'm super excited, actually. Um, <laughs> yes, I am super excited. But um, I hope everyone's week has been going well so far. And if not, well, then I you're gonna have the great you're gonna have a great week. Okay, you're gonna have a great rest of your week. Okay, and. Um, also, I don't know where you're living or wherever you're at right now at this very moment. But if you're in Texas, I say there's going to be like snow coming tomorrow on Thursday. Like, ooh, snow. Texas weather. Crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> but um, if it is, you know, stay bundled up, stay warm wherever you are. Stay safe. Drink some hot cocoa or... um. Drink some warm tea. If you don't have hot cocoa, drink some warm tea. Warm tea. And if you don't have tea, then you can, like, heat up milk and put Nesquik powder and, like, mix it. It's, like, it's not hot cocoa, but it's close to hot cocoa. So, yes, it's, it's close to being hot cocoa. So, it's still good. Very warm. Keeps you warm. And, um, also, um, the Percy Jackson books are way better than the movies. You can go ahead and watch the movies. I advise you not to watch the movies because then you'd be like, wait, what? You'd be confused. The books are a lot better. They're not like the Harry Potter books where you read the books and then you watch the movies. And even though the books are so better than the movies, you'd like the movies still have the same amount of detail as it does in the books. But the Percy Jackson um, movies, not that great. Not trying to throw shade, but they are not that great. Logan Norman was very good as Percy Jackson in the movie, though. So props to him. And, um, well, this is the end of my podcast. So um, stay safe. Um, I will also upload every day or every other day. And right now, this 
podcast. This podcast is not on YouTube, okay? So if you're wondering, it is not on YouTube whatsoever. Um, I just got news that I should have done it on YouTube first before recording it, but uh, I kind of messed up there. So next time, my video will be on YouTube. The next, the next podcast, I promise you, okay? It will be on YouTube. But I will upload every day or every other day. And um, anyway, stay safe tomorrow, the weather. Have a great rest of your week. And you'll hear from me sooner or later. Bye, guys.